Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. I'm so thankful that he's given us another day, as I was saying just in my prayer to start our whole worship service here before we started that. I'm just so thankful that the Lord's given us another day to walk with him and to have fellowship with him. And it's, of course, for those that are really saved, it's, of course, better to go to heaven and just be there forever right now at this very moment. But, of course, it's better for God and us for us to stay here and work for him and help him build his kingdom. I should say, let him use us to build his kingdom on earth and let him use us to make us help us have fruit in our lives that we get some benefits, some some rewards in heaven once we get there. So praise be to God and thank him and praise him, everybody. Uh, thank you. And, and uh, I'm thankful that you're here with us again, joining us for another episode, you'd say, of Gospel Saving Church and SoundCloud and all over the world and in my home. And God bless you and thank you for joining us. And if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, and let's just ask the Lord to bless our service and help me to teach. And Because certainly the Lord knows I definitely need it. So join me, please. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, for uh, being with us, Lord. Your word says that if we're yours, Lord, you're always with us and you never leave us and you never forsake us, Lord. If we're with you, you stand with us, Lord. And so I just thank you, Lord God, for your precious, precious, precious promises, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord, that you that you give us so many precious promises, Lord. And I just pray that, Lord, people would take advantage of them, Lord. That we would, you know, hold you at your word and say, Lord, you know, if you said this, Lord, that means I've got you, Lord. I feel alone, Lord, but your word says you'll, you're always with me, Lord. And so no matter how we feel and no matter what we may think about how far you are from us sometimes, what our feelings or how we struggle with our faith, Lord, we'd always just take you at your word, Lord, and, and know that you are, you are a man of your word, Lord. You are God Almighty and you don't lie. Lord. When you say you're always with us, Lord, and you're always with us. Thank you, Lord. We just, um, I pray, Lord God, for us today in the service and all those that are listening online and all over the world and in my home, Lord, I pray you'd help us to understand your word today. Help us to think clearly about the things that you say, Lord, and help us to not only hear your words, Lord, but be doers of your word, to hear your word and then to do the things that you say to do. To keep your commandments, Lord. To keep your ways, Lord God. Help us, those of us that are yours, Lord, to endure with you to the end. Help us to clearly understand what you have to tell us today. Keep the devil out of our homes and out of this church, Lord. And and I pray that we'd be able to think clearly and comprehend everything that you have to tell us today. And I pray you grow us today. Continually, Lord. Continue to grow us. And grow us stronger in our walk with you and grow us stronger in our faith in you. And I just thank you and praise you, Lord God, for all your many promises and all your many blessings and all your many, just all your much love that you pour on us every day. And we ask these things and pray them all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So today we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, just continuing on in our Walk through 1 John, his first epistle. Again, that's 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. You can be turning there, or you can just listen along here a little bit when I go to read it off. But I'm going to go over my thoughts from last week's message, their spiritual condition. And then after that, we'll read it and get to our main message. So last week, 
John gave us three categories of the spiritual conditions of all those abiding in Christ, right? All those enduring and all those abiding. He told us that those categories were little children, fathers, and young men or young women, you could say too, because you know we know that God loves women as much as he does men. And, he gave, and basically those characteristics were kind of the three categories for all abiding and enduring Christians all over the world since Christ left until now. You're going to be in one of those categories of Christians like I talked about last night or last week. When I asked all of you who were listening to consider in and of yourselves where you were with all the different things that John gave us, the characteristics that John gave us. I asked you to, to think of where you were, whether you were a little child or a young man, one young woman in the faith, or a father of the faith. And I asked you to figure out where you were in that kind of spiritual category, in, in the spiritual categories that John gave. You know, why would it be good? I hope you did it, but just before, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I close with that too. Why would it be good? for us to figure out which category of spirituality that we're in. Why would that be good, the ones that God gave, why, or John gave? Why would it be good for us to figure out where we are? I believe that it will help us if we do that. If you haven't done it, I hope you do it. But I think it will help us gauge where we are in our walk with Jesus Christ. If we, if we take what John said and hold our lives up to that, and I think it will also show us once we figure out where we are, where we need help, where we need growth, you know, like yourself as a person, you know, whatever age you are, you know that it's appropriate for 20-year-olds not to be doing certain things and to be doing certain things. You know, it's appropriate if you're 30 or 40 years old and, you know, if you're 45 or 50 and you're a dad and, you know, it's appropriate for dads to be doing this or not to be doing this and to be spending time with your wife or your child or whatever. What's well, the same thing spiritually. In our spiritual walks with God, we should be at a certain level somewhere, you know, unless we're newborn babes. And then in that case, we're at a level. We're at the newborn stage. And remember, we talked about last week, it's not we can't just stay there. We got to keep growing and we got to keep going. And so it's important for us to know where we are so that we know where we need growth and where we're at in our walks with Christ. And abiding Christians should be growing and maturing in Christ Jesus every day of our lives. Shouldn't be any day goes by that we shouldn't be seeking to grow, seeking to be more mature, seeking to be strong in our faith, seeking God for help in our daily lives. But unfortunately, growing for human children, from a human child to a fatherly person is a hard thing to do. You're going to face much trouble along the way, aren't you? You're going to face much trouble with, you know, in your, in, with yourself, <laughs> you put, putting up with yourself. I know it's hard for me to put up myself sometimes. And it's going to be hard for you to handle your life and the way life comes at you. Well, it's the same thing with a person's spiritual growth. Growing up spiritually takes many denials of yourself from the sins of your flesh that hinder your walk with God, like pride, stubbornness, being self-willed, self-dependence, etc., to lots of denials of yourself and lots of surrender to God in every area of your life. But surrender is one of the, if not the, main key to your spiritual growth and your walk with Christ. So maybe you found out where you're at. And maybe you say to yourself, well, I'm not, you know, where I, I've been a Christian for X amount of years, but I'm not where I need to be. Then your key then there is to surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. I say if you stop surrendering, 
everything to God in Christ, you're going to stop growing in them also. And my 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 plea to, to all Christians listening is we need to be careful that we don't ever stop surrendering everything and every problem to God in Christ and making sure that we're daily denying our selfish, self-willed hearts and our flesh and asking Christ to bring us closer to himself and grow us in our spiritual walks with him. And I say again that we should be doing that daily, should be growing daily. Growing is hard. Growth is hard, I should say, but it's necessary for God's will to be done in your life. In fact, that is one of God's wills for you is to sanctify you, and in sanctification is growth. Growing up in the Lord, becoming stronger in Him, stronger in your walk with Him. And it's also your surrender, your growth is also necessary for God to build His kingdom on this earth. God grows you and then you go out there and you become a part of what God's doing on this earth to build his kingdom, to strengthen his kingdom. And he does that. He works through people. That's how God works. He works supernaturally too in the heavens and all that, but he works through people and he wants to work through me and you. And he's going to work through you in the stages that you're going to grow. And then as you grow, he's going to work in you to do his will on this earth. You know, that's just kind of how it works. Uh, and, and, and whose kingdom, you got to think about this, depending on where you're at in your growth stage, whose kingdom do you really want to see grow? Do you want to see your kingdom grow or do you want to see God's kingdom grow? I, I hope it's the kingdom of God and Christ. So if you haven't figured out which category or spiritual person you fit into from verses 12 through 14 of 1 John chapter 2, go read them over then if you want you can go to my sermon last week. The title was Their Spiritual Conditions, and I hope you find out. And when you find out where you're at, hold that up against how many years that you believe that yourself to be saved and think, you know, I've been saved X amount of years. Shouldn't I kind of be more toward the fatherly? Or I've been saved X amount of years. Shouldn't I be more toward the young man, young woman, and kind of serving God more? And, and if you don't, if you see a lack or see a need in that growth, you need to fall on your knees and say, God, grow me in that area of my life. I, I want to be useful for your kingdom. My, my desire and my prayer for myself, often in the, you know, it comes on me, but I've prayed a lot in the past, is that I want to be a tool for your kingdom that you could use for any job. Kind of like, you know, you got the shovel that digs the dirt and then the, the, the rake that rakes the leaves. Well, what about a universal tool that kind of can do anything? Well, I want to be that tool, and I hope you want to be that tool for God to... Do anything that God needs, anything that God wants to be that universal tool for his kingdom, for working in his garden, which is the world. All right, well, praise God. Let's switch gears, get on to our new sermon for today. Our new sermon is the title, The Dangerous Love. Again, the title of our new sermon, The Dangerous Love. You got your Bibles handy, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It's only three verses today. But um, they're really powerful verses today. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. John says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. 
But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now, we only have three verses today. And you may think, oh, a whole sermon out of three verses. I don't think we're going to be having that long of a service today. Because, I mean, this is, this is its own section in itself. And John really has some powerful stuff to say here. Not going to be really easily taken out of context, but I'm going to cover all that. And there's quite a bit to say here. But we, I titled this message appropriately, I believe, The Dangerous Love. Because in this section we have one of the most dangerous loves in our spiritual walks that we could ever have with God. Oh, so before this, if you remember, John gave those great words in verses 12 to 14, what we just read over last week, to those abiding and enduring in Christ and his word on their spiritual conditions. Remember, we, we just talked about that in the overview, how God gave all the Christians, all the world, a spiritual condition, those that are continuing to abide, a place where you should be in your spiritual walk with God, right? And right before this, John just gave those spiritual, you know, categories and and characteristics to all the Christians all over the world. Well, here, in case you didn't notice, those words were same. They were for Christians, because that's what the context is. And here, he has a very strong and serious command to the same abiding, enduring Christians in Christ in, in these very next words. He starts out this first sentence. We're going to study the first verse in two different sentences, because there's two sentences there. And he says there in the first sentence, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. In case you didn't notice, this is a command. The words of right there that tell us, do not. The same thing as we could go back to Exodus 20. We'll get to that later. Do not do this. Do not do that. These are commands. They're not suggestions. They're commands that God gave in Exodus, that Jesus kind of gave some things. Love one another as I have loved you. It's a command here. John says, do not love the world or the things in the world. This is a very straightforward, uh, powerful command, and it's pretty simple. Hey, Christians, don't love the world. And you know what? Don't fall in love or be in love with anything that's in the world either. Just don't. And again, I mentioned, this is not talking, He John is not talking to the unsaved. His crowd here, his audience, are Christians. He, he, he's writing this, the same thing here. He wrote to the same Christians. I write to you fathers because, you know, you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you little children because you have known him. This is the same audience John's writing to saved people when he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. So what does it mean to love the world and the things in the world? Because it's kind of a pretty harsh statement. I mean, I I love some things in this world. Does that mean that I'm breaking God's command and I'm breaking John's command here? Because I love some things in this world. Well, Strong's defines the word love here in verse 15, to love dearly, to be fond of. But understanding in the context, and we'll go over this a little later too, I'll give the definition and all, is really to lust after the word. Look at the next two verses, 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life and and the the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of god so really the context here of this love that john is writing up that we're not supposed to love the world or the things in the world is to have a passion to have a desire 
uh, going after, a longing, a lusting for, you could say, the power or authority that the world has to offer, or the things and the goods or the pleasures for your flesh that are in the world. So a real lusting for, a real longing for. Uh, And John says here again to the saved and the redeemed and the abiding, enduring again Christians here, he says, do not lust after really reinterpreting that, do not lust after or strongly desire the world or anything therein. Pretty harsh and hard words to swallow, that's for sure. These are also words that I hope that every person that professes to be a child of God that's listening to me today needs to really read over strongly. Read them over again and again and again, and I hope you take them seriously and examine yourselves and your hearts to see if you're guilty of having this love or lust of the world, which I'm going to call the dangerous love, because that's really why I titled the sermon The Dangerous Love, because the dangerous love is the lust of the world, the the intense love of the world, the, the desiring, the going after of the love you know, of the things of this world that John writes about here. So that can be something that I hope you think about as we're going through this message and as we move on ahead in this message. Are you guilty today of having the dangerous love of the world or the things therein that John's talking about here? Now, John doesn't just stop there with this command to all those enduring in Christ in his first sentence. He adds an if-then statement next. He doesn't use the word then, but he gives an if-then, meaning If something, then something. You know, we know about those kind of sentences. We say them a lot in our world today. So look at the last verse of verse 15 where the if-then statement is made. John says, If anyone loves the world, and then you could say then, but he doesn't, but it's okay. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. So an if-then If you love the world, then guess what? You don't have the love of the Father. So if you have the love for the world, this lusting after, dangerous love of the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. That's harsh. Using the understanding of love here with the context, saying what John said again, If anyone, any believing saved person, because he says anyone, and his audience is to Christians here, has a passion, a desire, a going after, or longing, lusting for the power of the world or the things of the world, the love of the Father God is not in them. Ouch. And again, remember, this is not a command and an if-then to unbelievers. It's a command and an if-then to to the redeemed, or to the saved, those that John just gave those same awesome characteristics of in our very last few verses that we read right before this. It's important that we do not take that out of context. Because there would be people that would say, well, Lee can break those sentences down. They don't go together. Hey, if anyone loves the world, that's anyone. That that cannot be a Christian, because after all, I'm saved. You know, and if I've given my life to Jesus, and I've surrendered my life to Jesus in the past, I can't, I can't have the love of the world that John's talking to here. You know, talking about here because you know what, I'm saved, and you know what, if, if John says, if I'm saved, if I'm born again, I, I've overcome the world. Yeah, that's if you want to. Here, 
This is a command to Christians. And it would be really easy to say it's just for unbelievers. And then no Christian, no, no saved, nobody that thinks that they're saved, whatever they, well, I got to follow that. I, I got to follow, you know, because I, I should follow John's command because you know what? I'm saved, therefore, since I'm saved, then I can't have this dangerous love. But yes, you can. This is written to the same saved people that John just wrote to in the previous few verses. What it really amounts out to for anyone that's saved or redeemed that's reading or listening to this message or reading, reading this section of scripture or listening to this message is this. This is a command to the saved not to lust after or strongly desire the world and the things therein and a warning if you do. If you do, then you don't have the love of the Father in you. This is a warning. Every person should desire to be filled with God's love. And not having God's love is a step in the wrong direction. And it's a warning. If we love the world, if we have this kind of the love, this dangerous love that John's talking about here, then we're going to lose, or we can lose, we will lose the love of the Father within us. And we don't want to lose the love of the Father in us because if we do, that means we're stepping in the wrong direction. So you should, if you're a Christian, absolutely take what John writes here as a warning to never start lusting after or desiring strongly or having this passion, this dangerous love for the things of the world or the world itself either because it is very dangerous. And if you begin to, as I just said, according to John here, you'll lose the love of the Father that is within you and you won't be in you anymore. And I'll touch on this in my close. But first, let's read over the next verse to, to get the fullness of what John is telling us here. Listen to verse 16. I'm going to read it, but I'm going to just explain it while I'm reading it because that's just important that we get the context while I'm reading it. John says, verse 16, For all that is in the world, meaning all the things of the world, anything you can think of that's a physical thing on this earth that's like a, you know, not like a not like a person, but like a thing, you know, like a like a tree or a car or a house or you know whatever, a drug or a, whatever. Anything that's for all that's in the world. Listen to what he says, and he gives them categories: the lust of the flesh. Now, what is the lust of the flesh? Lust of the flesh would be pleasures for your fleshly body. These would include things like sex. Central things that please your fleshly desire. Things like that. Things that you would do to be like, oh, yes, I just got to have that. The lust of the flesh. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. All these fleshly, sensual desires that you would have for yourself. And he ends off with saying, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So I'm going to say that to each one. So all the lusts of the flesh, anything you just laugh to have, just desire, just lust after, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. He goes on to say, for all that's in the world is the lust of the eyes. This would be the lust or passion of attaining things like cars or houses or motorcycles or boats or money or things that you can gain in this life, whatever it may be, TVs, toys, whatever, games, video games, whatever you can think of. This is of the world, and if you're lusting after this, like a strong, I just have to have, lust after this stuff, 
then that's not of the Father, it's of the world. And the last thing he says there, he says, and the pride of life. This would be a passion and a driving desire, a a lusting after people to see you as important, you could say. Or getting that powerful position in that company, lusting after that powerful position in that company, being lusting after being important, lusting after and desiring being powerful in this world, being the richest man in the world. I just have to lust. I just, just have to be the richest man in the world. I have to have all the things in this world that I just have to have them. And John says all these things that you lust after, these prides, these lusts, these desires, these passions that you lust after are not of the Father, but they're of the world. So here's where we go. Here's where we get the real context. As I said earlier, we'll talk about that later. And the dangerous love John's commanding Christians not to have for the world. Strong's definition for the world lust here is desire. Think about these words when you think about the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? All the things I just described, the definition here for desire is craving, longing. Think about those words, longing. You're just thinking about them, right? Longing to have them. Desire for what is forbidden, lust, right? Those are the words, the Lust of the eyes, the pride of life, right? The the lust of the flesh, the, the desire, the craving, you know. I just got to have those things. The, I, I say here, again, the dangerous love of the world that John is talking about here is a lusting, a consuming desire after love. Not just... Uh, having or not just wanting to have something or desiring a nice thing to see you know nice things or maybe i want to succeed in business or maybe i just want to have a successful you know career or you know i I just uh, love those flowers john's not talking about here and the things that we can't do that we shouldn't do the dangerous loves don't include oh i just love those flowers they're just really pretty you know, I'd, you know, I'd really like a new car one day. That might be nice if I got a new car one day. Or, or man, you know, sure, like, you know, wish my house, house was a little bigger. But you know what? I'm, I'm happy with, God, with what God's given me. These are not the dangerous parts of the love that John's talking about here people can have. I mean, it's, it's okay to want your family to, to be stronger family, to, to love your wife and to love your kids. These are not the dangerous loves that John's talking about here. No, the dangerous love would be described, be described as this. Think about it, because we know the difference, don't we? I just have to have that car. Oh, I just have to have it. I just have to have that boat or, oh, I just got to get that job. I just got to make a million dollars a year. I, I got to be a, I have that career. Oh, I, what do I do? How do I get a bigger house? I just have to have it. You know, it, it, it's, the, it's a lusting, a desiring after. This is the dangerous love. Uh, the dangerous love can be, I just need more money. Oh, I just got to have those drugs. Oh, sex. Man, I just can't wait to my next uh, next time I get to have sex. The sexual pleasures, and then and then along with those desires and those lustings after, right? Then you allow the attaining of those things 
So the getting of those things, you allow the getting of those things to rule your life and to consume your mind and your thoughts. And kind of like, I'll do anything to get them. Now I think we have a proper context of what the dangerous love is. And you see, it's dangerous to have this kind of love because the reason John commands Christians to stay away from it is because it's an idolatrous love. It's an all-consuming love. And we all, I think, if you don't know already, the Bible doesn't speak very highly of idolatry. And I'll talk about that later. But that's, this is the main reason why this lusting type of love for the things of the world and the pride of life and the lust of the eyes and so on and so forth, that's why they're so dangerous. But there's one more, there's, there's just another reason that John mentions here to abiding and enduring followers of Christ that they shouldn't get caught up in this dangerous love that John's describing. And it's in the first part of verse 17. He says... The world is passing away and the lust of it. Well, anything, he says, you know, basically, why lust? Anything you could ever lust after and have a dangerous love for in all the world, including the power and authority you could lust after in the world and have, it's all passing away. Hey, don't have that, Christians. It's all gone. It's all just temporary. I, I think I might even pray that. Or I remember saying that earlier. No matter what you could have, it's not going to carry on to the next life with you. I don't know whether that was in my prayer, but I know I said that today. So no matter what you could lust after or desire to have that you could spend your whole life getting, it stays here. Or as Solomon says, you store up treasures so you can leave them to somebody else. This is, this is why John says here, don't, don't bother having that dangerous love. So why lust after the world or the things of the world? Because even the things that you're able to attain, they're temporary. And you can't take them with him, can't take them with you when you die. To this, John says in his last sentence of verse 17, he says, But he who does the will of God abides forever. So you see, there's a dangerous love, and then there's I'm abiding in the will of God, and I'm going to endure or abide forever. And that's a saved eternal walk with God. The Doing the will of God. Only those who do the will of God, we could say, until they die, will be saved. Well, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 7.21. Only those that do the will of God are going to go to heaven. So John's command and warning to all Christians here is, don't get caught up in the dangerous, lusting, idolatrous love of the world or the things of the world. The practice, he says, instead, the will of God until death because only those who do the will of God unto death will abide forever or really be saved. We have a really, we had here today a really simple but straightforward command and warning from John and a pretty simple section of scripture to study today. Pretty simply, John's warning, John's warning and command to Christians don't have a lusting love and a desire for this world or the things therein. Simple as that. I mean, you can't make anything more of it. This is what John said. It's what the Bible says. I talked about it, how it being adultery. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But why would John give those awesome characteristics to those saved and redeemed abiding Christians in the previous section, verses 14 or 12 through 14, but then give this same group 
The same group of Christians, a command and a warning not to love the world or the things of the world, here in verses 15 through 17. Because he only gives, we know that God only gives a command not to do something if we're not supposed to, but there is a reason why you're not supposed to. Hey, hey son, don't play too close to the road. You know, if you're walking along the, the side of the road and you're on the sidewalk and you're little boy or little girl gets a little too close to the edge of the, you know, sidewalk and kind of into the grass before the road. Hey, little Johnny, hey, don't go in the road. What's going to happen to Johnny if he goes off into the road and he wanders off the sidewalk and onto the grass and onto the street? He's probably going to get hit if you're not able to rescue him, you know, fast enough or if there's a car too close or if he's quick before you look and you're talking to someone, he's probably going to get smashed up. He's probably going to die. Well, God and John and, you know, the godly people of the Bible, when they give us a command, they give us a warning, they give it for a reason. You see, John gave this command here because John knew that it was and is possible for a Christian to fall into this dangerous, lusting, idolatrous love where they lose the love of the Father that's within them, as John said, verse 15. But John also knew there was one more thing that an abiding Christian could lose if they were to fall into this dangerous love of the world. John also knew that a redeemed person could also lose or forfeit their own salvation or eternal life with Christ if they fell to the dangerous love as a perpetual way of life. We've all been there. I've been guilty of this. I'm sure you have too. I've been walking with Christ now for 16 or 17 years. I'm sure maybe there's somebody out there listening to me who's been walking with Christ longer than that. I myself have had times where I've fallen into this dangerous love of the world. The one that John describes here, I've fallen into it. But as I'm in it, I realize this is not healthy for my walk with God. So what do I do? I, I, I get on my knees and I say, God, forgive me because I realize that I was wrong. I realize that this is not the love that you have. And I realize that this is not something you want from me. And so I get out. But if that little child plays in the street for too long because they start to enjoy that lusting love of the world, eventually a car is going to come along and a car is going to take them out and Eventually, that little child is going to die. And John knew that the reason he gave this command is because it's not healthy for our spiritual walks. It's not healthy eternally, and it's not healthy for us here. We don't want to lose the love of the Father now, and we don't want to live in a love, this dangerous love, this perpetual danger of living in this lust of the world until we die, because we could forfeit what God has given us because of the lusts of the world. How, how you say is this possible? Let's look at what Christ and the Bible say about this dangerous love and how eternally deadly it can be if a Christian falls into it and practices it, uh, practice it until death without repentance. Since this dangerous love is really idolatry, we must look at the punishment of anyone that falls into the practice of idolatry. I'm talking about as a lifestyle because you know what? That's what I've chosen now because, man, that really feels good. Because, you know, the lust of the flesh, it really does feel good to our fleshly bodies. It's not good for our spiritual bodies, but it's terrible for our fleshly, it, it, but it feels good to our fleshly bodies. 1 Corinthians 6 9, we know, all know the famous quote or the famous passage from, from Paul Do not, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So he says right there, the unrighteous. 
people that are living in unrighteousness aren't going to go to heaven. Well, the, the very second thing on the list that he names off after unrighteousness is idolatry. Anyone that's idolatrous shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And this love, this lusting after love, is it's a dangerous, idolatrous type of love. Why would the punishment for the practice of idolatry then be so severe? Why? Why does Paul speak against it? Why is John you know, commanding us not to have it? Well, anyone, even a Christian, that practice idolatry, they're, they're making for themselves a god. You could say another god, because there's really only one true god. But if you're going to practice idolatry and fall into this lusting love, you're lifting up for yourself another god or someone or something that you worship other than the God of all creation. And as I said in the beginning about Exodus, we go to Exodus 20, verses 1 through 2, and we see that this is the very first commandment that God gave to the children of Israel as he led, as he was on the mountain with Moses, and he was giving them the Ten Commandments, and he says this, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods but me. And if you're lusting after the love, the lust of the world, and you're chasing after it, you're not chasing after Jesus. You're not chasing after God. You're not giving him the appropriate place in your life. Instead, you're making that computer, that toy, that car, that house. You're putting those in God's spot. And the Bible says, guys, that God is a jealous God. As I said, the very first commandment that God gave to Moses, you shall not have any other gods before me. That's not the only time God spoke about idolatry, though. He gave us the end game or the danger of it when he came in the flesh. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 6, 24, concerning idolatry. This is what God thinks about you being idolatrous or a Christian being idolatrous. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Here the person made mammon, or the lust, or the things of the world, the spirit of the things of the world. He, he gave mammon an equal place with God. This is the scripture Jesus gave there. Mammon and God were together, and this person was trying to love both. I've known some people like that. I myself have been there in the past, trying to love God trying to love the things of the world. It didn't work out. I kind of, I, I could feel, feel myself slipping from God, but I had to come back because it was dangerous. What type of love does God want you to love him with? If, if God says, have no other gods before me, that means he wants to be the God, the ruler of your life. Jesus, Mark twelve thirty says, you shall love the Lord your God. This is the kind of love that God wants you to love him with. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment, which is basically what I just said. Have no other gods before me. And so if you don't don't have anything above God that you want, that means God is the top number one thing or individual or being that you want in your life. And this is how God wants you to love him, not to live in the lusting for the love of the world. And he really does mean that he wants to be loved with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and even so much so that your love for him needs to make all other love for anyone or anything in your life or in the world 
like hatred. Jesus, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and child, brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And we know the Bible says that only disciples are saved. Now, does he literally mean you should hate, like despise someone? Is, did God really say that? No. He said, according to me, I want you to love me so much that your love for them, your love for me is so strong that what you, whatever you have for everybody else is kind of like you don't even like them. Kind of thing. Love me more than everybody else so strongly that your love for others is just like, like nothing, like, like beans. Love me that much. Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So we could easily even make people in our lives our idols, right? We could even make our wives, our children, our grandfathers, our sons, our daughters to be, you know, we could idolize them too. When Jesus covers that, he who loves father more than me is not worthy of me. You can't make them an idol eater, guys. I, I have to be God. I'm God and God alone. You can't have anybody before me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Hey guys, I'm God and I want you to love me. I love you and I want you to love me back like I love you. And the problem with having this dangerous, idolatrous love of the world that John describes here is that you can't possibly love God or Christ the way they command to be loved if you're lusting after the world or the things of the world. And again, John wrote this because he knew that if an enduring and sold-out soldier for Christ gives themselves over to the dangerous, lusting, passionate love of the world and stays there until death without repentance, they are guilty of idolatry and will not inherit eternal life. So the question we all must ask ourselves today and every day, you know, when we get up in the morning, who will I love with all my heart today? I ask you, who do you love with all your heart today? Christian, because this is written to Christians. I'm guessing I'm speaking to a lot of Christians out there that are listening to this message. Do you love Jesus Christ and the world? <laughs> are you like the one where Jesus said you can't, you know, can't serve God and mammon? Do you love Jesus Christ and the world? Maybe you just love the world. Maybe you love the Jesus Christ to, 10 years ago, but now you found yourself, oh man, the world is so pleasurable. Gosh, I just love those things so much. Maybe you just love the world now. Or maybe, hopefully, you could say, you know what, I just love Christ with all my heart. So, do you practice the dangerous, idolatrous love of the world and the things of the world? So are you driven by your desires and lusts for the pleasures of your flesh? Maybe power and authority, uh, things and possessions the world has for you, like money, important jobs, or sex, or drugs, or alcohol, or whatever. Maybe you have. Maybe you've gotten that again, Christian. Maybe you've fallen to that again. Maybe you can say, now with my ways in my life, I don't really love the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. I love these things now. I chase after these things. Because really, 
What are you chasing after in your lives? Are you chasing after the love of God every day? Are you chasing after God's heart every day? Or are you chasing after the things of the world every day? You know I don't. I can't see inside your heart, but God does. And ladies and gentlemen, Christian or not, listen to this message. God knows your heart, and sin has consequence. And if you love the world, if you have this lusting, dangerous love of the world, it will bring a consequence if you do not repent. If this owns you, if this rules you, it will have consequences. John gave the command. God, first commandment, have no other gods before me. This is a serious, serious thing, Christians. And I hope you take it as a serious thing. Do you practice the will of God that leads to eternal life daily? Are you really abiding with Christ, as John put it in Scripture today, which is loving of God with all your heart, with all your ways, with all your actions, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Please, Christians, take John's command and warning here seriously. And if you find yourself living out the dangerous, idolatrous, lusting love of the world or the things therein, then you must repent. You must not stay there. You must only love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength as God gave commandment as Jesus as God gave commandment through Christ as God said you shall have no other gods before me to the Israelites on the top of Mount Sinai to Moses whom do you love and whom do you serve on a daily basis and as I said are you running after Jesus every day are you running after the things of God Every day, or are you running after the things of the world? Are you spending time with God every day? Are you looking after the things of His kingdom, or are you only concerned about the things of this world? We have to be careful. We have to be careful. And if I'm speaking to any out there right now that aren't, then get on your knees and repent. It's okay to ni- to want nice things, but it's not okay to run after the things of the world, and to lust after them, and to have the dangerous love of the world. Sin brings consequence. And we can't expect that we would live and do all these, living in in this dangerous love as a lifestyle, and thinking we're going to be okay, and he's going to accept us and say, well done, good and faithful servant, because who are we really serving if we have this dangerous love of the world? We're not serving God and loving him with all our hearts, we're serving God ourselves so but if you're there remain there grow stronger there grow stronger in loving the lord with all your heart grow every day as i think i talked last week to know the love of the know the height the depth the width the length of the love of god in christ jesus this is what we should be focusing on setting our minds toward every day not this garbage on this world which is all temporary and we can't take it with us anyway So wherever you're at, either come back to Him or don't fool around over there in that lusting love of the world. Or if you're there, just grow stronger in Him. And this is my exhortation to you today. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your words today, Lord. Thank You for Your command. Thank You, Lord God, that You are 
like a watchdog for our souls, Lord. Uh, it's, 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 you, you're constantly looking out for us, Lord. And if we're diligent to read your word, we're going to find things like this. And this is a very harsh section of scripture to read. You know, where is the line between lusting and just having a, you know, you know, oh, I'd, I'd like that new, you know, I'd like that better job or I'd like that house or I'd like that, you know, what, where's the line? Lord, I, I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would, would show us and that we would not be caught having this dangerous love, Lord. I pray that all of us that are yours, Lord, that are listening to this message, Lord, we'd, we'd always keep ourselves close to you and never lust after the things of this world because it's not of you. Lord, we don't. If we're yours, we don't want to do the things, or we shouldn't want to do the things that aren't of you. If if we find ourselves wanting to do those things, Lord, then you said Jesus said all those who desire to come after me must deny themselves, which is the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and you know so on and so forth. Lords, we we need to do that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that all of us that are yours would would stay close to you, and not fall into this dangerous love. And if any that I'm speaking to are I pray, Lord God, that you would show them the dangers of it, Lord, and show them the consequences of it, Lord, and I pray that they would repent. I love you and praise you and thank you, Lord God. And I ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here. and Thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today to be a doer of God's word and not a hearer only. Because... Your life will soon be passed, and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love him back by the way you live your life. God bless you and have a wonderful day.